That's amazing. I'm your host, Pearl, and I tell stories that are creepy, crazy, and that keep you on the edge of your seat. I'm your host, Nathan, and I tell stories of positivity, inspiration, and determination. (laughs) We're best friends. We're roommates, and we're here to tell you some cool stories. I almost said, I I tell positivity. I tell positivity. (laughs) That's my job here. I tell positivity. (laughs) Welcome to episode 20. Yeah, big 2-0. I really want to do a, a TikTok reference, but I won't. Um. All right. TikTok Anyways, reference. I don't know what you're talking it's about. It's too late. It's too late. Um, Moment has passed. We're probably just gonna get right into it today because I definitely have a lot more than I normally do. So mine's I'm gonna decently longish. Um, it's definitely longer than my last few stories. Did you have any fun facts? Oh no! I, I forgot did. my fun facts. I oh, actually, uh, I actually did remember to get some fun facts so i've got a couple oh, want to go through they're just really short ones little tidbits right. little fun little bits of information okay so first one ancient this is kind of gruesome um but so th- this will be your fact hell yeah <laughs> uh ancient roman surgeons were trained to block out the screams of human pain <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. not the screams of human pain i read another one that was saying like the dentistry has been around for since like seventy or seven thousand BC, so it's like one of the oldest professions. And I was thinking, like, wow, that's crazy. Like, there were no like anesthetics or any sort of numbing stuff, at least to my knowledge, um, back then. So how horrible would that be? And then I found this fact that was like Roman surgeons were taught to uh, block I out the screams of human that. pain. Teeth yeah. things freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> no. Don't even want to get into that. Um, a second one, there is a geocache on the International Space Station placed in 2008. It has since been visited four times by other astronauts. Oh my god. thought that was kind of fun. I've never actually been geocaching, but I've Neither always wanted I. to go. We should do it. Yeah, we should do it sometime. Naomi always wants to do it, so shout out Naomi. We'll go geocaching. Um, DM us if you know anything about geocaching. <laughs> <laughs> actually do, because it's really cool and interesting. And yeah, if you have any cool geocaching cool stories. Cool and interesting? Cool and interesting. Those are my two favorite things. Yeah. Uh, my third and last one um, is kind of cute. Um, in Switzerland, it is illegal to own just one guinea pig. This is because guinea pigs are social animals and they are considered victims of abuse if they are alone. I think I knew that and I love that, honestly, right? because... I think that should be yeah. a law everywhere. Yeah. Because I feel like everybody that i've ever known guinea pigs probably too oh yeah i'm sure and like like rats are social creatures as well and it's usually best to have multiple of them a little lonely rat that's so sad okay shut up i know you don't like rats but some people do i am not i was literally being genuine okay i thought that for some i thought i I remembered you being like really disdainful towards rats i i I don't like rats (laughs) okay i would not want one to come near me (laughs) but all animals have their place. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you sounded really genuine when you said Besides that. slugs. Okay, Slugs true. can go fuck themselves. Animals have their place. Insects, that's another thing. Well, There's a couple yeah. that I think we could do without. Mosquitoes, yeah. 
Slugs do have their place, but I also understand slug- we don't have to talk about were slugs you talk- any longer. Were you referring to a slug as an insect? Well, okay. I'm like pretty sure a slug is a mollusk. Yeah. It's Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's not in the... Also, I literally don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, we so. can move on. We can move on so I don't say anything so more dumb scared. and you won't be triggered. Okay, cool. Yeah, those are my uh, quick little tidbit what? facts. Yeah, I cool. thought those were quirky and cool. All right. Uh, so you want to jump right into I'm yours? I'm just going to jump right into Let's it. Let's do it. I can't. With this story. I know. I've been kind of... Uh, you know what it is. I do know what um, it is. Okay. But I don't think... I mean, like, I've definitely ranted about it at times, but I don't really know how much you'll remember slash how much you know. And you certainly don't know everything that I have in here, so... Oh, boy. Well, I know that you know the one story that I definitely don't want you telling because I've heard it and I don't want to hear it again. Oh, yeah. I'm never telling that. Um, That's... A bit much. Okay. So, this is a very famous story. I titled it Lorena Gallo and her disgusting piece of shit husband. Mm, This is about Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, I do know that name. I've heard that name. I don't want to call her that anymore, but that is what she was at the time of this. Uh Um, But yeah, she... yeah. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't about? remember okay. any I'm details of this. I'm just not going to say sure anything and you'll remember. I was going to say, I'm about. sure that it'll spark my memory as we go through yeah. it. You know how my like, memory I'll, is. I'm just not going to mention it so anybody who doesn't know what this is about will yeah. just hear all the facts as I have as they, them to present. Yeah. I probably Fair could enough. have done two parts of this. So anyway, I'm just going to get into it. This case, their trials... And especially the events that have transpired since shine a light on the realities of domestic violence in America. This case will contain graphic and possibly triggering content, including elements of rape, domestic abuse, and mutilation. And on that note, I'm not going to hold back about the perpetrator of this crime. And I don't think I ever do, but I really fucking hate this guy. So I'm just not even going to pretend like I don't think that he... Didn't get what he deserves. Deserves the worst. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to start out with a couple statistics. Trigger warning. I'm just going to say if domestic violence is, uh, you know, a trigger for you, don't listen to this at all. Yeah. Kay? On average, more than one in three women experience rape, domestic violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner in their life. One in five women experience severe physical violence from an intimate partner in their life. Um, the presence of a gun in domestic violence situations increases the risk of homicide against women by 500%. Oh. Oh. 94% of women who experience rape report si- symptoms of PTSD within two weeks following the event. 33% of women who are raped contemplate suicide, and 13% of women who are raped attempt suicide. <sighs> and there's a lot more statistics. Yeah. Um, but I just want to kind of kind of wanted to start out with that in your mind because this is like that's the main point of this story. Because what happens in this story is shocking and was very sensationalized and kind of became like the main point of the story, even though 
the main point of the story was the abuse that yeah. this woman faced. So, just going to start off by saying that, and we're going to get into it. All right. Um, also, I just want to say that people who have experienced things, these things, domestic violence, rape, in their life are more likely to abuse substances and experience emotional issues that affect their work, school, and social life. So, my main source for this um, was the Amazon Prime series, Lorena, that came out in 2019. Oh, was um, that the one you were saying you were just watching the other yeah. day? Oh, that's right. I was like, this sounds familiar to something that I was hearing. Like, Yeah, recently. she also had another, she was involved in the making of another movie that came out, um, I think in 2020, I believe. I think it's called I Am Lorena Bobbitt. But that's another movie you can watch. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. But Lorena was involved in that, in and like she it. narrated it, so I nice. would I would trust it. But this was good because um, it really gave her a chance to tell her own story, which for a long time she kind of wasn't. So, yeah. and also Jordan Peele was the executive, one of the executive producers on this story. Oh, so, wow. or on this uh, series, so that kind of like, I mean. Everybody knows who Jordan Peele is. Yeah, like that exactly. kind of, you know, pushed things forward a little bit. And yeah. I think was a really good, obviously he's um, been very passionate about like social justice issues and stuff like that yeah. too. So yeah. I also think it's best to hear stories from the victim's mouths. Yeah, very much so. And you get to hear from Lorena and John, who was the perpetrator of the crime. Oh. Or, you know, they're both perpetrators of crimes, as we'll find out. Anyway... Lorena Gallo was born in Ecuador in 1969 and raised in Venezuela with her two siblings. When she was 16, her parents didn't have enough money to pay for, like, a big quinceanera. So she just asked them if she could take a trip to the U.S. instead. And she went there in the springtime that year and fell in love with it and realized that 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 was her move to uh, that was her dream to move there. So when she graduated from high school back in Venezuela, um, she was able to attain a student visa and began attending Northern Virginia Community College in Annandale, Virginia, when she was just 18. So, yeah, setting out on her own and going for it. She had family in Virginia, so she did have that, um, but she didn't know any English when she came to the U.S. So while uh-huh. she was in college, she was taking English as a second language, and she w- went when she went home from school every day, she would learn through watching TV shows. Nice. Which is just the best. Um, in 1988, Lorena went to a dance hall near the Marine base where she met Lance Corporal John Wayne Bobbitt. The two hit it off right away, of which Lorena said, quote, I thought John was very handsome, blue eyes, a man in uniform, you know? He was almost like a symbol, a Marine, fighting for the country. I believed in this beautiful country. I was su- swept off my feet. I wanted my American dream, end quote. Never trust a John Wayne. Never trust a John Wayne. <laughs> in the series, um, the Lorena series, John describes Lorena when he met her that night in, like, a loving way. He said she was beautiful. She had a cute accent. And, like, even though she barely spoke English, they hit it off right away. And they exchanged numbers and whatever. But then in other parts of the series and in other interviews I've seen, he talks about it in, like, a super cold way. Saying that she was just, like, shy and innocent and basically makes it sound like 
she would just be easy to manipulate. He was just trying to take advantage like, of she her. She showed interest in me, so that was enough. So it's like, cool, so I can do whatever I want. And a lot of people were like, John Wayne was not the smartest guy ever. Um, just Sounds kind of right. like bag of rocks, kind of. Um, <laughs> the two shortly began dating, and in June of 1989, the next year, they were married in a small ceremony. Lorena wow. was 20, John 22. Later on, John would say that it was rushed because of Lorena's student visa expiring soon, but I was don't that really the buy reason? that. <laughs> was that the reason? Also, on that note, I just want to state up top that he maintains to this day that he never did anything to her, which you will find out is wrong, but like... It's been like 30 years. And he, he just still, still holds on to it. Yeah. Seems like there's been a lot of stories you've told where they've said that. Like they And still it's just super weird innocence. because of other stuff he does. I'm like, so what is it, dude? Like, what the fuck? Um, about a m- Yeah. About a month into the marriage, John, his brother, and Lorena went out to a bar. On the drive home, Lorena grew very fearful because John was drunk and he was speeding like... He was going like 90, 100 miles. And I mean, they were on the highway, but still. And he was like driving super erratically, zigzagging all over the place. And she was trying to like plead with him to like calm down. And he wouldn't. So she grabbed the steering wheel and he punched her in the chest in front of his brother. Oh, jeez. And then she was like, I was just crying and crying and crying and like obviously in pain. She's fucking like 95 pounds. And he's like... I mean, he's a Marine. Yeah. He's a bigger guy. Like, he's strong. And her, his brother is in the backseat literally, like, nodding his head. Like, he, like, like a- good approving job. of it, oh. pretty much. According to Lorena, which... Wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, when they got back to the apartment, um, he dragged her all the way up there by her arm kicked her and told her i told you not to cry and then a police officer showed up at some point i don't know who called the cops but um john just opens the door and he's a completely different guy he's happy nice like seems like the type of guy that would never hurt anybody she was like it just switched that's literally one month into marriage like he waited one month into they got Neighbors in the complex reported that there was constant arguing between the two. Um, one guy said that John was clearly always trying to be very dominating over Lorena. Another guy said that he saw them come back from getting groceries and Lorena would be literally carrying everything by herself, like head down, whatever. And he'd be walking behind her like with his arms crossed, just like super macho, like what the just weird shit like that. And again, she's a tiny woman. Yeah. Um, police had been called to the Bobbitt residence around six times for domestic disputes. Sometimes John called. Sometimes Lorena called. I'm sure neighbors probably called yeah. at different points. Um, coworkers and friends later testified that at times John would get aggressive with Lorena in front of people and even like pull her hair and shit. What the in front fuck? Of people? I'm like. If you're doing shit like that in, in front, front of, of people, people that yeah. 
like, yeah. A family member testified that at a family event, John Wayne gave Lorena a gift. And when she didn't open it in front of everybody, he was like, why aren't you opening it? And she did because she's like obviously scared of him at this point. Yeah. And it was like a bikini or like some lingerie, something that she was like very, very embarrassed about. Uh. And she like kind of shoved it behind her back and like got super embarrassed and tried to just leave the room. And then he he got embarrassed because of that. And so he gets up and like kind of goes after her. And I think it was a cousin or something. She was like, I followed him because I thought he was going to hit her. I mean, And he basically enough. pins her up against the wall and he's like, what's wrong with you? And she was like, please put me down. And he just shoved her up against the wall again and called her a bitch and then walked away. Like in front of, of family. The, what the fuck? In 1991, two years into the marriage, John was discharged from the military. This meant that he no longer had a steady paycheck and Lorena was now the sole earner of the household. She worked at a nail salon and as a nanny during this time, but John couldn't and wouldn't find and hold down a job. She became desperate and began to steal money from the salon. The salon's owner, Jana, whom Lorena had actually gotten to be close friends with, uh-huh. she ended up figuring out what was going on, and she didn't not she didn't fire her or anything. Okay. She let her keep her job, and she just made her pay her back with interest. Which I was like, good on you, yeah, because it was definitely like I'm sure she's got a little bit of a clue into what's going what's on. What's going at home. on exactly? Uh, Lorena later on would steal dresses from Nordstrom and when questioned why she would do this because they were like that's not money like yeah she was like John would constantly tell me that I was ugly and that I wasn't good enough and like he would basically just bully me all the time so I felt like I and she couldn't afford nicer clothes and stuff because he's not this coming from a guy who won't do anything to contribute to the household um, he later tried to blame things on her, saying she was too fixated on her American dream and that she wanted too much too fast. No, she just wanted to, <laughs> like, have a steady, sustainable I said, income. Uh, no, dude, I think she just wanted you to help with the rent and to not beat her. Yeah. There was all this pressure. She knew when John started abusing her that she had made a grave mistake, but she was embarrassed to tell anyone. I mean, like, you you don't know what that situation is like. Yeah. And she was, you know, an immigrant. I was going to say, probably the fear of being deported also plays yeah, into it, which I understand. Yeah, he would threaten her with yeah. calling the police and getting her deported. And also, she was Catholic, and she was very strong in her belief that she didn't want to get divorced. Yeah. And she thought, you know, it's regular to have problems in marriage, but, like, you should be able to fix them. So she was trying her best. Basically. Yeah. Um, in 1991, she was impregnated and <sighs> she was kind of thinking like this might make things a little better. Like a kid might make him soften up a little bit, but this was not the case. And he actually forced her to get an abortion. Shit. Throughout their marriage, Lorena endured countless rapes. He particularly enjoyed forced anal sex. Oh, she God. was never, ever a willing participant in this. 
Neighbors that John used to play basketball with testified during Lorena's trial that on one occasion, while some of the guys were like talking about girls, as you do, John just casually told them that the types of sex he the type of sex he liked was forced because that's what turned him on, and that he liked to more make girls squirm and yell. And he wasn't saying this in like any sort of normal way. Yeah, I'm the sure guy who all was the like, guys were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> they um, were like, what the fuck? So the judge was like, did this seem something to you that was like, but essentially locker room talk? Which I'm like, first of all, judge, what judge, the fuck? Judge, no. That's locker room not... talk is not a le- it's not legal terminology. And the guy goes, I knew he was serious. And this guy was like, I just wanted to do anything I could help because his mother was abused when he was younger and he saw her yeah. get abused. So he was like, no, I knew... That like he was I just, being serious. And the other guy, one of the other guys that played basketball that also testified was like, looking back now, like, it was in his eyes. Like, oh. Oh. yeah. Um, Lorena said that John had essentially told her that he could rape her anytime he wanted and that there was nothing she could do about it. So, at the time of the final incident of the marriage, John was working as a bouncer at a nightclub. According to him, on the night in question, he had gotten off of work at around 2.30 a.m., after which he got drinks with his friend Robbie. Apparently, they had two beers and two B-52 shots each. Do you know what that is? I I, I know I've heard of a B-52 shot, but I don't know what exactly it is. It's a triple-layered shooter. Okay. Which, first of all, I'm like, how old are you? But then you hear that it's Bailey's Kahlua and Grand Marnier. Oh, I'm like, yeah, I have heard of that before. I, ha- I used to have people kind order of that. 3 a.m. Yeah. drink is that, you weird motherfucker. Um, so he's like, yeah, we had two of those, two beers and two shots each. Like, we weren't drunk. I'm like, okay. Anyway, they both come home for the night and John goes upstairs. He rapes Lorena and then immediately passes out fucking disgusting and she said that this would happen all the time she knew that if he came drunk came home drunk at like 3 or 4 a.m that she knew what was gonna happen oh god in this this night in particular um about this night in particular john has said on different occasions that either they did not have sex at all or that they did have sex but it was consensual or that she was just mad because he wouldn't sleep with her. And that's why she did what she did. When he felt her touching his boxers, he thought she was trying to arouse him. Really, she had gone downstairs, gotten a glass of water, seen a knife in the kitchen and thought to herself, he's never going to do this to me again. And he's never going to do this to anyone else again. So she goes okay, upstairs this is all coming back and to me. literally I what just happens. walks right up to him and slices his dick off. Yes. He was so intoxicated that he didn't fucking know what was going on. Yeah, two shots and two beers, my ass. Literally, like, the crime scene photos and the crime scene tech was like, there was a pool of blood with, like, at least an inch deep because he was so intoxicated that he didn't know what was going on and he just sat there for a while. He laid there. Yeah. Oh. Imagine getting your dick sliced off and not and knowing what happened. And just being like, sorry, what? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. 
She had fled to her car and she was in a complete state of shock during this whole middle part. Yeah. She did not really know what was going on until she realized she's like driving and she realizes that she's still holding the penis <gasps> in her hand. Oh my So she just God. goes like this out the window, oh. shucks <gasps> it out. <laughs> like I think it was her with her left hand. Oh, you know, over the top of the car. Um, just chucks it out into a field across oh from a 7-Eleven. My God. She went to the nail salon where she worked and tried to get in. Mind you, it's like 4 a.m. Yeah. So she's clearly like very a, disoriented, yeah. traumatized. Panicked state. Panicked. Um, and then she's like, oh, shit, this place is closed. So she throws the knife away in the garbage outside and goes to Jana's house, which is the salon owner. Uh-huh. So back home, John, when he finally realized what was his going dick on, has been chopped off. He went to wake up his friend to take him to the hospital, and he was saying that he didn't think Robbie, the friend, understood what was going on because he brushed his teeth first. I was oh. like, okay, so you guys were so you both, guys were just, both fucking just fucking wasted, so fucking drunk. Yeah, but the sex was consensual, of course, or it just didn't happen. Yeah, which is it, dude? Um. Yeah, so Lorena had been able to tell them roughly where the penis was somehow. She was like, remembered the 7-Eleven or whatever. Yeah. Um, so as men were dispatched to go search the field for the penis, they were calling a microsurgeon <laughs> in. When they located the penis, penis, they put it... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right? Sorry. When they located the penis, they put it on ice in a hot dog container from 7-Eleven. <laughs> Um, and they rushed it back to the hospital. <gasps> Basically, everyone was shook as fuck. <laughs> yeah. They were like, wait, 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 what sorry, happened? What happened? I'm sorry, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those things. And, and like, it's a penis. Everyone's like, oh, my God, craziest thing ever. Like, they face a problem when they're like using their radios and they don't know what to refer to the penis as because it's kind of like on tv where you can't say certain words like public tv yeah so they were like calling it a member they were calling it an organ and like all the news like the headlines and stuff like that came out in right after yeah. this happened all like none of them used the word penis so it was kind of like what everyone's is like, so this what meaning is exactly happening and then eventually they were like okay so we just have to use the word penis because that's what it is yeah so that was like one of the first instances of them saying penis on like live television yeah interesting yeah, um, the doctor said that all of the police officers that were at the hospital were, like, crossing their legs because they were so uncomfortable <gasps> about what was going on. Oh, uh, Which gosh. is just hilarious to me. Yeah. All the fucking men were f so outraged about this all over the country. They were like, how could you possibly do this to a man? This is, like, the thing that means most to a man in life. And it's, like... After he's been repeatedly raping you for multiple years? Yeah, he doesn't deserve that no. thing anymore. He's done. He You're had his done. chance. Yeah. So, John was charged with marital sexual assault, and Lorena was charged with malicious wounding. Immediately, the public was divided. Most women were more understanding and were kind of like... Wow, he must have done something really bad to her. Yeah. Which that he would did. be my first thought too. But many men, I don't want to say most, but like a lot, a lot of men were just 
like I said, shocked and disgusted and basically thought that there's nothing he could have possibly done that would warrant this happening to him. <laughs> it's like, hate to break it to you, but he yeah. did the exact thing to warrant I this. don't want to condone violence in any sense. Um, People were just like, she was just crazy and jealous and... Jealous? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Jealous. Sure. Um, also, the poor girl was young and naive and still learning English. So she was put in a very vulnerable position when they asked her to give a statement that night while she's still in shock. Uh, yeah. Recovering. She's in the hospital, the same hospital that John's getting treated at. So she's further traumatized by that because she's like literally scared that he's going to come like, get her or something. Here. Yeah. Yeah. That would be terrifying. And she didn't know that she could have a lawyer. So she gave a statement. Oh, no. And in the statement, she one of the things she said was essentially he orgasmed and he didn't wait for me to orgasm. So you can imagine so people how people with that. took that. And I'm like, why the fuck would they do that? I mean, I know that that's what they do. They don't. If they can catch somebody without legal representation, I'm then like, they do. Don't you have to give her, read her her rights? You would think, I and I think um, you do. Yeah. So they definitely did not do right by her in this situation. I don't care how shocked you are by a man <laughs> losing his dick. Why would you think that a young woman who would face deportation that would do, to do something like this that would definitely get her? like arrested and charged and possibly thrown out of the country like why would she risk that but people are, don't have the benefit of the doubt for someone like her which is really sad yeah but yeah um because of virginia law at the time all of the abuse throughout the four years of their marriage leading up to the event would not be able to be used in court Wait, because of what? What was that? Virginia law. It just what? didn't allow it because L- it all was of basically the domestic violence at the time calls? it was like there wasn't, ri- or at least in Virginia, rape. You couldn't. They were basically like you can't rape, rape your, your wife spouse. because Ugh. she's your property, pretty much. God, the yeah. worst. So the only thing they could use was the events on that night and whatever happened five days. Five days previously. Nice. nice. So they were like, awesome. That makes sense. Um, as I mentioned before, a bunch of people testified to seeing John get rough with and hurt Lorena. But they also testified to seeing her covered in bruises. She would have them on her face and on the back of her arms. So it's not just like any random bruise. Yeah. And she would have them all over her body. But yeah. specifically also on her face and on the back of her arms. Um, a customer at the salon said that at her appointment one day, Lorena pushed up her sleeves and she noticed that there were bruises all over her arms. So she asked and Lorena was like, it was my husband and literally told this woman that he threatened to push her off the balcony of their apartment. Holy shit. And this lady was like urged her to leave him and she was like i could tell that she was just absolutely terrified she also was like my manicure and my eyebrows that day were fucked up and she wasn't saying it in a way of like screw this but she was like she was clearly in extreme distress yeah understandably (sighs) yeah so they had separate trials um john's was not televised which i also feel like 
that was another kind of disadvantage to Lorena, her trial being televised. Yeah. But whatever. It definitely puts um, more of a sway in public opinion. Yeah. So for her trial, um, there were a lot more. I think there were a lot more people outside the courthouse because it was like, it was just getting a lot of momentum. People all over the country were talking about this. It was like yeah. a really, really huge case. Um, so there was just there was tons of people who lived in the city who were there in either support of John or Lorena. Uh-huh. Um, and then there were just random people who were From spectating. Um, and then there were also specifically 50 to 100 Hispanic people that traveled from all over the country and like Mexico and stuff to come and be there to support Lorena. Aww, so that's good. I love that. People were also definitely capitalizing off of this. There were people selling t-shirts yeah. that said Manassas, Virginia, a cut above the rest and boxers oh. that said Manassas, Virginia, don't cut me short. Oh my God. Yeah. They made bank I, off of I that bet. shit, which kind of makes me sad. Yeah. Um, so in each of their trials, they were found not guilty and it was super weird because everyone was expecting one of them to be guilty because that's kind of what happens in situations like this. Yeah. Someone's found guilty and someone's acquitted. But since they had separate trials. Well, yeah, but. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. I mean, not always, but people thought that one of them were going to be charged and. It w- I read it described somewhere as the judicial system basically throwing its hands up and being, being like, like I, we don't, I don't know, know who's guilty. Yeah. Lorena had to spend 45 days in a psychiatric ward before she could be deemed not a threat to herself or the public, which, of course, she was not. Yeah. While Lorena struggled to put her life back together, John found more and more ways to basically not work or have a life. Nice. Um, and he kind of just piggybacked off of this incident for the rest of his life. What he literally like used this for fame and still does. That's disgusting. He starred in a porn called John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. No. Which actually no. did really, really well. No. Yeah. That's go that fuck can't be real. yourself. That cannot be I real. I love that that's the only thing he cares about. Because his reasoning was that it was the best way to show that his penis still worked. Who cares? Who cares, dude? I want to throw up. Apparently a lot of people cared. I want to Because throw it did up. really well. Um he narrowly avoided missing the premiere though, due to him being charged with misdemeanor domestic battery against his new girlfriend could you imagine this was in 1994 girlfriend after this this was the fucking year after yeah the incident so she said that he was physically aggressive with her during a drunken argument and that he punched multiple holes in the wall he was sentenced to 15 days, six-month probation, therapy, and had to attend AA meetings. And just a few months later, he got another domestic battery charge for assaulting the same girlfriend. In 1996, he starred in a second porno called Frankenpenis. Due no. to the fact that Howard Stern had literally paid for John to get penis enlargement surgery. Uh. H- Howard Stern? You want to know what Howard Stern also said during his interview with John? What? He he said, I don't even believe that he raped her. She's not that hot. 
So uh, if you have any uh, kind feelings toward Howard Stern, leave them. Uh, no. No. But the fucking surgery ended up being kind of botched. Good. Oh, my God. <laughs> because Some they were like, we're going for length and girth. And they were like, that's not really that's not possible. What the f- so, yeah, he still starred in that second porn, though. Um, and in 2017, he literally had a third surgery from the guy who did his original surgery. He's like, yeah, I trust this guy. To return it to its normal size. I was like, dude. What the what? Is your penis not scared? Yeah. I feel like it would run away. He'd be like, hell? stop, get these knives away from me. <laughs> Later on, he was arrested for har- harassing another ex-girlfriend. Nice. Um, And this, this was really roll. fucked up. She was in the Lorena series um, <clears throat> with kind of a shielded identity. Um, She stated that they had gotten, she had gotten an apartment with John. She was several years younger than him. Um, But later on, when she decided that she wanted to move out and have her name taken off the lease, he went berserk and started beating her with everything he could find. He hung her off the edge of the balcony, pulled her back up by her hair, dragged her to the bedroom, tied her up, stripped her, and raped her. And he kept doing this for about three days. What the fuck? He then started gathering sheets, and she was like, I think he was literally going to kill me and hide my body. Like, literally. And she was able to escape. Jeez. Because he's literally a moron. Like, I urge you to watch an interview with him. I mean, watch this series. It's really good. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, He's so dumb. He's so fucking dumb. But this poor woman. I'm like, he, so he just... He just continued to batter women for the rest of his life, and he kept getting away with it. It's like after, a, a, yeah. I mean, after once, you should not be giving a, a more chances. Right. But like after that many times, yeah, exactly. He'd been given five years probation for attempted grand larceny from when he stole a hundred forty thousand dollars worth of clothing. That he claimed he didn't know it wasn't paid for. Didn't look too much into that because I was like, fuck this guy. Sorry, what? But I, I didn't know that I didn't spend $140,000 that I definitely don't have because I'm a loser. unemployed piece of shit. <laughs> In the early 2000s, he was arrested multiple times for domestic violence incidents with his new wife, including in May of 2002 when police responded to the call of possible domestic disturbance. So it basically was like the someone called and then like someone hung up. Oh yeah. So they were like, ah, wee woo, wee woo. um, and he broke her tailbone and her, ah. her finger during this altercation. Um, the sources were conflicting whether or not he was charged for that, but he de- did end up spending 15 months in prison due to this because he ended up bro- breaking his probation from the grand larceny thing. And, I don't know. 15 months. Oh, shit. Big whoop. Jeez. Um, In 2004, he was acquitted of four counts of battery from assaulting his wife and her 14-year-old son. What? The judge literally was like, blamed the kid. Yeah. So, men suck, if that's the moral of the story. Um, Other than him just continuing to be an abusive piece of shit for the rest of his life, he also... 
did things like try to win a John Wayne Bobbitt lookalike contest. He did wedding ceremonies for people. That's stuff like real. that. So when I say he That's tried to find real. whatever way not to have a real job, he really tried. And to he fail. did do like he did like construction and other random shit. But he was just, yeah, fuck. I just hate that he started in porns so that's, much. That's the worst. Yeah. And the poor girl that had to... You want to know what's the worst part? He has sent Lorena so many letters and correspondences trying to get back together with her. I remember you saying that. Ugh. Could you imagine? Yeah, he was like... uh, He would, like, call her his wife and them and, like... And she's, like, disgusted by it, obviously. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like... In what what, world? In what world? You won't even admit that you did anything to me. Yeah. Um, As for Lorena, she returned to school in the late 90s where she met Dave Bellinger. The two are still happily together and they have a daughter named Olivia. And they actually still live in Manassas. And she said, I live here. This is my home. Why should he have the last laugh? Fair enough. Um, She had become an official U.S. citizen in 1994 and was divorced in 95. So she took some money for TV appearances to help her, you know, Can get like, back up on yeah. her feet and all that and, you know, settle some debts that I'm sure she had. Um, but then she earned her living as a cosmetologist, an administrative assistant, and a real estate agent. So nice. she just wanted to go back to having her normal life because, yeah. oh my God, during the trial she was like, I couldn't go like and after she was like everywhere I went, people were talking about me Ugh. everywhere. Like she she ended up going completely blonde and like she's blonde now. Um. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, I don't yeah. blame her. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I just love her. Like I would recommend watching that series and interviews with her and stuff because she is just the sweetest woman ever. She seems like someone that I want to give me a fucking hug Aww. in 2007 she established the lorena gallo foundation and their mission statement is from their website quote the lorena gallo Fa- foundation's mission is to expand domestic violence and sexual assault prevention education emergency response sources resources and community engagement activities that will improve outcomes for survivors and their children Aww, that's um, awesome. yeah she says that while she was actively going through the abuse with john she didn't know that there were domestic violence shelters, and again, she also feared deportation. Yeah. So, yeah, that that foundation really just aims to educate people. So I'm gonna put some educational resources um in the description of the episode, and also I'll post like the link for her foundation and everything, so people can go donate to that and look at it if they want. But yeah, that is the insane story of Lorena Gallo. Insane for sure. And I love her. And she's an icon. (laughs) (laughs) Iconic queen. (laughs) Yeah. I just love that she I mean, she could have basically she could have pled guilty to something else but she's like if I get a felony... I will be deported. Yeah. So she was like, there's a big chance if they lost the trial, 
I mean, her life would have been over. Yeah. So she was taking a big risk by going yeah. through with the trial and everything. And it paid off. Yeah, it did. So fuck awesome. you, John Wayne Bobbitt. He got in the car accident a couple years ago. He's fine, but he like broke his neck. And I was kind of glad to see that. <laughs> <laughs> also, he was a huge Trump supporter. Um, I mean, I would think here. <laughs> I'll post pictures of him then and now. Because it's funny. Um, and also Lorena then and now because she's hot then and she's hot now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, anyway, sorry that was long. No, no, it was a good story. Yeah, definitely uh, I I was, not that there weren't graphic portions of that. I was expecting a little bit more I graphic. Mean, so I'm glad that this had its actual like. Uh, <sighs> uh, yeah. Or, I mean, I guess I mean, he's I, not in, like, prison or anything, but, like, it had a little bit more of some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I mean, it's just kind of nice to see that he was just a fucking loser for his whole life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it sucks that he didn't go to prison for, you know, abusing her and all the other women. Yeah. Like, he barely had to pay for those crimes, but he's also a huge a loser, and I loser. love to see that. Yeah. And we she's love not. To see she's it. a baddie. Yeah. She's living her life, doing her thing. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. Well, we shall start moving over my way. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I was saying in our last episode, the National Park Service would come back up again. Oh. Uh, for in the form of uh episode for Women's History Month. So I feel like this is a perfect back and forth for our episode. Um, today we are going to be focusing on Claire Marie Hodges, which you probably have heard before from the episode of National Park After Dark, um, which is where uh, I heard of her first. I know I know the name, yeah. Yeah, she's the she was the first female park ranger. Oh! Um, and oh yeah, so yeah. shout out yeah. to uh, National Park After Dark, my favorite podcast. Um, and in their episode, they actually go into like mul- multiple different other like female park rangers that uh, kind of that were integral in making or like allowing women to be park rangers um, right which was a long process the the process to let women be anything anything was a long process yeah completely still is all right so let us begin with a little bit of backstory on claire hodges Claire was born on December 1st, 1890, to father John Crouch Hodges and mother Mary Ada Stolder, uh, and she was born in Santa Cruz County, California. Claire developed a love for uh, the outdoors, specifically Yosemite National Park, at a very young age. In 1904, when she was 14, her and her family took a trip to Yosemite. On the way to the park, Claire's father educated her on the history of the park, the rock formations, wildlife, and what plants grew at what elevations. Um, And they spent four days riding horseback, soaking in the beauty and making their way through the Yosemite Valley. Uh, in addition to this Ugh, trip, she also gorgeous. yeah. I, I'm I've, just picturing I've never it in my been head, and I'm like to Yosemite. But I've watched so many videos. I follow like so also, many like outdoor photographers. Just want to say the name Claire is such a good name. Yeah, I Love do like name. the name Claire. Anyway, um, 
So in addition to this trip, she also made trips to Tenya Canyon and made her way to Tulum Meadow uh, from Yosemite Valley. Um, and in 1913 alone, she made five or six more trips to the park. So Dang. she's like, this is my park. This yeah. is my shit. <laughs> um, so it's pretty safe to say that this place held a very special... Uh, that I. Why do I write like this? This place held a very special place in her life. <laughs> anyway, Miss Day would be mad at me. Um, <laughs> proofread. <laughs> yes. Well, and I literally did go back and proofread this already. That just shows my uh, inability to do anything. Miss <laughs> um, Day would be mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, she gained much knowledge on her trips there and was very familiar with the landscape inside the park. Uh, her love of the park brought her to write poetry inspired by it and uh, the way it made her feel. I'm going to read one because they are beautifully written. This poem she wrote after one of her many trips in Yosemite in 1913. Oh, the mountains call and I feel their thrall, and in this into the saddle I swing. For keenest love neath heaven above is the love of wandering, where the gray cliffs rise to the blue of the skies, and freedom and rest they bring. Past the sparkling lake where ripples break lies the path of the wandering. Oh my god, that's the best thing i've ever heard right That's i know adorable. i was like yeah so she's she's like writer, i am soaking up these juicy vibes <laughs> i want to get that tattooed on me but yeah. i won't be able to do that till i actually do go to yosemite um but yosemite is like top of my list for national parks right top now notch. um and i i've i've passed through california just like way further west where yosemite is like a bunch of times but i've just never been to yosemite and it's frustrating i've been to the redwoods but i've never been to yosemite oh, damn it um anyway after graduating high school claire attended college i could not find any information on where she went to college or what she got her degree in or anything like that but she went to college um, but she did go to college um after college claire decided that uh her occasional trips to yosemite were not going to do it for her and she had to be closer so she got a job as a teacher at the Yosemite School uh, with perfect proximity to the park. Uh, nice. Claire's students were mostly children of rangers and indigenous children from the area. In an interview with Sunset Magazine, Claire's quoted as saying, I grew very fond of my aboriginal charges and they taught me something of woodcraft in exchange for what they learned of white man's lore. Um, uh, only a year after Claire began teaching at the Yosemite School, on April 6, 1917, President Woodrow Wilson declared war on Germany. This marked the first day of the United States joining World War I. Um, uh -huh. This also marks uh -huh. another episode that I am a historian. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you're a historian in every episode, to be quite honest. At least the ones for, uh, like, the, the my first chunk of episodes were a lot well, I mean, more I'm thinking like, modern day yeah um because like Nirmal I mean, I Persia and like like my uh most of my like outdoorsy ones especially have been modern day because like Heather Anderson Nirmal Persia and Deirdre Walnick Wal uh like all of those were like very recent Ooh, I'm gonna knock this lamp over um were but they? yeah because Heather Anderson was 2018 oh um, oh <laughs> I thought you were saying recent episodes oh no no no, no. i was like Those were um, a little bit ago, but ping. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i think no but like most of crazy. your other stories have yeah been a lot of my stories have been pretty history his story yeah literally history anyway go on they story it's 
Herstory. There we go. Perfect. Anyway. Yeah, this is Herstory. Um, anyway, so obviously going into World War One was a major shock to all the lives of Americans as men began being drafted into the war. Uh, this left uh, a lot of occupations typically filled by men with vacancies they were unable to fill. And that is what leads us to the main part of our story. Uh-huh. Uh, with all the vacancies of jobs that were typically filled by men, women were a- finally able to apply for some of the positions in their absence. Uh, by 1918, there were more than 2 million men that had been called to serve. So that left a lot of vacancies, um, especially when, I mean, I think the population of the world was in the like one to two billion range back then. I don't know. And obviously the population of America was much smaller and now we're like nearing eight billion. So uh, yeah, two billion, <laughs> uh, two million people uh, leaving America definitely leaves uh, a good chunk Um Anyway, so Claire decided she would try to take advantage of this as she saw job openings for park rangers in Yosemite that were unable to be filled. Uh, so one day she went to the office of W.B. Lewis, the supervisor of the Yosemite Park District at the time, and said, Probably you'll laugh at me, but I want to be a ranger. His response was somewhat shocking to her because he said, I beat you to it, young lady. It's It's been on my mind for some time to put a woman on one of these patrols, only I couldn't find the right one before. Um, I don't know about you, but I'd say Claire was probably the yeah, most perfect fit for this position. the right person. Yeah, so that uh, was definitely some good happenstance, and or fate, as one might call it. Um her application was submitted to Washington, and within a month's time, it was accepted. She was given a badge, a uniform, and a horse to patrol the area. Um, Claire makes a statement in her interview with Sunset Magazine that it felt as if all the years she'd spent exploring Yosemite's mountains and valleys had led to this moment. It like, did. Oh, it did. Aww. It did. Um, she had some incredible experiences in her time as a ranger. Another quote from her Sunset Magazine interview, she talks about one of her favorite memories. Uh, She said, Once with a ranger friend, we made our way under a frozen waterfall and in an ice cap cooked our luncheon of bacon and eggs. It was quite a feather in my cap because they told us no woman would dare attempt it. Quite a feather in my cap. Quite a feather in my cap. I want to start using that term. That was quite a feather in my cap. Um. Though she was strongly urged to carry a firearm by her male counterparts, Claire refused. It was not clear why, but it seems um, as if her familiarity and comfortability um, with the area allowed her to feel safe, even when unarmed, um, even when transporting park funds. But she was never robbed or assaulted in her time there. So she did good. She done did good. Um, Being the first female park ranger in history, she definitely created a lot of buzz. Uh, in the summer of 1918, while she was employed by the Park Service, uh, journalists swarmed the park in search of the, quote, lone female ranger. Um, in an article published by the Lowell Sun, her duties were depicted as she has nothing to do except wear her khaki riding, um, ha- wait, her khaki riding habit and lope all day through the forest aisles over lily-decked meadows past thundering waterfalls along foaming torrents and ledge trails overlooking dizzy cliffs with a glittering chain of snowy peaks in the background. Um, Though this 
quote seems like an accurate depiction of the beauty of Yosemite. It really seems to kind of diminish the importance of her responsibility there yeah. and lessen it to that of the men's responsibility. Because uh, it's just like uh, the beginning. She has nothing to do except wear khaki, uh, khaki riding habit and lope all day. Y- like yeah, that um, makes it sound like she's just like riding around on her horse, like doing and nothing. She doesn't have to deal with gravity either. <laughs> she doesn't have to deal with gravity because men have to deal with gravity when they work out and women don't. Yeah, yeah that's kind of what it's giving. That's, it's giving whatever that and guy's like, podcast um, was vibes. No. Yeah. She's here for a reason. Yeah. She knows what Doi. she's doing and she knows the area a better a lot better, better than, than you, you the bitch. writer from the Lowell Sun. Yeah, who the um, hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um but yeah, I can assure you she did just as much as her male counterparts. Um, unfortunately, it was less than a year that Claire got to hold her dream position as park ranger in Yosemite. In late 1918, as men were starting to come back from the war, those who had held positions as park rangers were coming back to their posts. Sadly, this meant the termination of Claire's employment as a park ranger. Um, after being terminated from her post as a park ranger, Claire went back to the Bay Area, where she had resided before leaving to Yosemite. Um, after returning, she married her first husband, Earl Severson, and they were married in June of 1920. Uh, the couple were not married long and got a divorce soon after the birth of her son, which I think they were only married for like, it was like two or three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Claire married again in 1927. She married a poultry farmer by the name of Peter Wolfson. During their marriage, they spent a lot of time in Yosemite. Claire worked with a church camp in the park that taught kids things like riding horseback through the park and identifying wildflowers. Um, She worked with this group in the park for about 35 years. So she definitely... Damn! She she put her time in in Yosemite for sure. Like... Um, like even though Me she was only has not been alive for 35 years. I know. I'm like literally cannot imagine it. I just turned 24. That's literally 11 more years Holy than my lifetime. Fuck. Um, that's sorry guys. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so she, she spent a good amount of time in Yosemite still, um, even after her time as a ranger. Uh, Claire was somewhat of an expert on the flora and fauna in the area and was occasionally called to speak at the San Jose State College to give lectures on wildflowers and herbarium, uh, which I'm assuming is like herbology, but I don't actually know 100% sure. But uh, Claire and Peter would also collect seeds from trails in the Sierras to plant in wildflower gardens around Northern California. How cute is that? So they both had, like, a very special love of the park. Uh, sadly, Peter died in 1958, which that was, I think, it was, like, 31 years after, wait, no, yeah, I did the math right, 31 years after they got married. So they were married for a while. Dang. Um, and he died at the age of 91 after oh, wow. battling with pneumonia. So he was on the older he, side. They definitely... He lived like a, a full life. Yeah, they were uh, pretty... Uh, far apart in age i don't know how i don't know exactly when he well yeah he was born in 1950 or he was not born in 1958 that's when he died i was like but um, he was 91 so she was born in uh what was it 18 1890 i'm not gonna do the math on that right now but they were like probably about like 15 to 20 years apart um anyway oh Claire did marry again after that. Um, In 1963, she married her third and final husband, Ernest Morris. 
Thankfully, they both also shared a love for Yosemite, and fittingly, they decided to have their honeymoon in Yosemite, Aww. which was like, oh, that's so cute. Um, and so she would have been like 73 by the time that they got married. Um, and so into her 70s, Claire still got out to Yosemite and rode horses around the park. Um, these later in life adventures inspired another poem from her, which she wrote poems her whole life and had multiple right. published in magazines. And so she. Vibes. Yeah vibes um but this uh i'm gonna finish off with uh one of the poems that she wrote later in her life also about yosemite um how often in my dreams i see thy mountains beckon luringly the granite spires to loom cathedral peaks and lambert dome the wide winged eagle's rugged home the great gray crags where cloudlets rest and rising calm above thy breast the summits of thy hoary chest, each dear spot in my memory, so soft recall to loom. I see thee in the morning sheen, thy river calm its banks between, thy shimmering robe of meadow green, thy sparkling dew on blade of tree, thy jeweled veil to loom. Each dimple holds a glittering lake, where mirrored forest shadows break, and gentle breezes ripple wake, thy sparking streams in gaiety, are girdling gems to loom. Damn. Yeah, so I thought that was a pretty fitting way to uh, finish off that story with a nice, beautiful poem of hers. Um, I so want to read more of her poems. Right? Yeah. I'm getting I, visuals. I know. <laughs> right? I, I. It's just so cool to read, um, like, uh, somebody that actually can write very good poetry and has such a connection to a natural wonder such as this and just, like, the visuals that you get from that um obviously Aww. that's just like describing scenery claire. but she does it very well so good job claire um we love you and yeah so that is the story of the first female park ranger i do also want to do more into um, some of the other female park rangers and we'd like to uh delve a little bit into uh what they had to go through to yeah, uh, get to where we are now. Astute. And oh, specifically, that. like if, if you do want to hear more, I'll speak more on it later, but you should definitely go and listen to the national park after dark episode, especially and just this listen to that podcast in general. In general. It's that is best. literally like the best podcast ever. Great love for that podcast. Um, but just like the things that the female park rangers had to go through uniform wise. Oh my God. We could do an entire episode about uniforms and women. Yes. Yeah. It's... Oh, my God. Pretty gross. So, yeah. Anyway, but I won't also, go into that now. Also, speaking of that, um, as of recently, Disneyland members are now able to, like, dress in the opposite, quote, opposite sex uniforms. Did you know that? That definitely seems like something I would have thought Disney would have done a well, while ago. I think they ago. loosened their, um, like rules for like appearance uh -huh. to be more inclusive yeah maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong about like the well, opposite mean, outfits know. but i know they like implemented newer like more inclusive guidelines that's so cool that's, that's remind, awesome reminding yeah. me of but yeah that's yeah definitely that's it's uh been a battle for and, a long time um outdoor the outdoor world, I don't really know what to call it, is still very male-dominated. Yeah. Um, well, and, like, in the National Park After Dark episode, um, 
one of them was talking about uh like this job that they had where they were like hiking and I, I believe they were like trail guides um somewhere and as it wasn't like part of their uniform but uh, like part of like how they dressed when they would go to work was they were wearing yoga pants because they were hiking in like 90 something degree weather and like wear what's comfortable and like that what's going to keep you cool yeah and like if you were going to wear shorts you had to wear shorts that went past your knees which they were like they don't make those for women right. and and then because like, they only want women to be sexy yeah and like the it, the place she worked for didn't have any complaints about it but the people that she was guiding would like make comments about it and say it was completely inappropriate for them to be like wearing yoga yeah, pants. Like, I remember them talking here about that. And you're wearing yoga pants. It's and like, it's like what? literally everyone wears yoga pants. Your children aren't looking at my ass, ma'am. You're the one looking at my ass. Maybe you've got the problem. Yeah. Got a staring problem, You got bro? a staring problem? <laughs> 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 uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That is that. And, and that is all I've got to say on that. That is that. And that is that. that. Yeah. Um, right, follow well, us on Instagram at Yikes That's Amazing. Email us at Yikes That's Amazing Podcast if you have any story suggestions or anything. That's Amazing Podcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. No, just, just guess. Just guess. Uh, you have to See, go through <laughs> all of the different uh, URLs before. They like try out Yahoo first. Yeah. Ugh, who uses Zach Yahoo? have a Yahoo email I was literally going to say, wait, your boyfriend, wait, I think. He? No, Hotmail. Hotmail. Yeah. Also, who uses Hotmail? <laughs> right. Who are you? Who are um, you? Um, anyway. Um, anyway, and then also uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. If you so desire, leave a little comment on Apple Podcast. Let us know how you like it. And um, also on our Instagram, I'm going to post some pictures um, relating to today's episode. So go check those out because I don't know about you, but I always want to have the visuals. Yeah. So. Agreed. All right. Rar well, XD. Love you. Keep it sleazy. All right. <laughs> nope. Uh, I'm not going to end <laughs> on like that. Um, yes. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>